Hey everyone, welcome to Starstruck, a Zoom edition here with Nadia Shah down in Mexico, our Aquarius astrologer from NadiaShah.com. Welcome, Nadia. Thank you so much. Thank you, Opie. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me as part of your vision as well. I'm so grateful. Oh my God. First of all, like beyond the fact that like your hair and makeup is on point <laughs> at all times. What? I have Venus <laughs> conjunction, right? I've got to have that on point. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and show everyone your adorable little spark. Oh yes. I have little stars. I've become kind of addicted to these sparkly things because if I have them in my head, I don't need to have like anything here or whatever. That's so yeah. good. I got all the sparkles up here. Yeah. Basic bobby pin action here. So, <laughs> you know, hair, makeup, accessories aside, uh, today is a, an awesome day to film. It's December 15th, 2019, because my ruling planet, Jupiter, and your ruling planet, Uranus, Sag here, Aquarius there, are forming a trine. So we, um, are so excited because Jupiter is all about the big picture and global issues and Uranus is all about the future and innovation and that's what we're going to be talking about today the whole new decade and the one we're coming out of and we're going to be doing a little future casting for forecasting for 2020 to 2030 even because it's good to be prepared right so Nadia, tell people a little bit about what you do, what your favorite uh, topics in astrology are to tackle. You are an amazing YouTube astro superstar, lots of amazing, great, informative videos. Introduce yourself to our people. Thank you so much. Well, where do I even begin? I am an astrologer way, way back in the day when I was a baby astrologer. So much of the life I have now was just a fuzzy, fuzzy dream in the future. And so to actually be here, to be hanging out with you, even though I'm in Mexico and you're in New York City, uh, is so, so very cool to me. Uh, the baby astrologer inside me is dancing. And if I may say, very recently, it was uh, just back on, I think it was Sunday or Monday, my latest book, The Body and the Cosmos, came out. And it debuted as a number one new release in New Age Astrology books. And I, I cried for two days. I kid you not. I just, I cried for two days because I thought about that baby astrologer way back in the day where everything was so distant and everything was so fuzzy. And it helped to affirm to me, you know, the value of looking at the big picture. Because I think, especially right now with Saturn and Pluto meeting in the sky, everything is so hyper present and hyper physical and we're all like kind of living right here and there's value in that but it is when we're willing to have that healthy detachment that i think the air sign represents and air energy represents yes. i think that's really when uh we remember what matters and what's really important and it's kind of it's kind of incredible to be here now like literally and figuratively but, um, but yeah, it's a really great journey and I'm looking forward to the next, you know, 15 years and what that brings us. Well. So tell us a little bit about the body and the cosmos. Great title. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, you copy you on a flash or. Yes, I do. Here it is. Wait, let me see. Bring it on over. So this is the body and the cosmos. And it's what I did in this book. Cause I'm all about Aquarius me, right? I'm all about um doing something different like i feel like if i if i put something out there if it isn't different then what's the point so for example i've written a book on the nodes and it's just been kind of sitting there for a few years because i keep asking myself okay what is different what can i add that's unique here and until i can i'm not gonna put it out <laughs> mm -hmm. but what makes this book unique is uh what i did was i took the uh work of plato called timaeus where he pre presents a, a mystical understanding of the creation of the cosmos and how it connects to our physical bodies. And I applied his ideas to an astrological sky. So I sort of explore each and every sign as a part of our physical and spiritual being and what it's meant to teach us about ourselves. And every sign has a meditation as well. So for example, uh, for Leo, 
the meditation is around heart, right? And listening to your heart and being connected to your heart. And so listening to it is a sort of a spiritual activity, but then physically Leo as a sign, it speaks to the heart. And so in this way, it's, it's philosophy, it's astrology, but it's meditation as well. And then my next book, which I'm already like, you I know, love it. I, where's the Sagittarius in your chart? <laughs> I know, right? The Sag moon. But I, uh, this is coming out March 15. This is the tentative cover. Uh, this isn't the final cover. It's Great. called Prayers to the Sky. Yes, one of the draft copies. Thank you. But this is uh, Prayers to the Sky. And it's actually, uh, it started out as sort of a, a love letter to each of the planets really and there are prayers in it to each of the planets now that i still have a little bit of time before it goes to print wow. i'm adding meditations to it as well so it's That's very much deep. about having that relationship to the sky so are you going to be little... recording the meditations because you have such a lovely yes. voice i hope they'll Thank be spoken you. guided audios it's amazing you say that because this book uh the body and the cosmos does have guided meditations that are on my website and the prayers to the sky yeah it looks like i will uh, record guided meditations as well it's so much fun to do uh, really i i think meditation is so powerful and we need meditation right now you know, speaking of air energy and, and this contrast of earth energy, Absolutely. Um, it is meditation that sort of brings us out of the intensity of the earth experience through focusing our minds, uh, but ultimately connects us to spirit. So and meditation. And Aquarius has, uh, you know, have all this Capricorn uh, 12th solar house energy, which I think of as um, you know, conducting sound and spirituality and prayer and ritual and everything. So I love the timing of this for you to release it as well. Yeah. I, Jupiter and Capricorn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yes, it is great, yeah. great timing. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. <laughs> we never look at our own charts as astrologers. So I would like to yeah. like, say, hey, remember, hey, you're, you know, yeah. my, my astro friends remind me of that too. So, so the, you know, you just hinted at, what we're really talking about here is earth and air. So uh, in this talk, we're going to be discussing some of the longer term influences of the outer planets. Those are the ones that are farther away from the sun and shape generations or historical periods because they can take seven to 30 years to pass through a single zodiac side. So they can take, you know, uh, 50 80, 150, I'm roughly saying, you know, hundreds of years to go through the entire zodiac. So in our lifetimes, we may not see uh, certain planets and, and certain signs, but, you know, you and I are both into the nodes, which are the destiny points of the chart, which come with a belief that there's reincarnation, that you have a soul that chooses the exact moment of birth to be born for a specific assignment. I don't know if you see it that way, Nadia, but um, because of that, looking at these generational cycles shows you, why was I born in the 21st century, to, to live in the 21st century? What can I contribute to this world that I was born into? Um, so I thought it would be really interesting to look back at the 2010s to 2020s a little bit uh, and the, the ruling elements of fire, earth, air, and water, and then to move into the 2020 to 2030 period, which is the title of this talk, From Earth to Air, because that's where we're moving from the material and mundane to the uh, ideas and, and, and literally going up in the airspace. So I said a mouthful, but uh, yeah, Nadia, um, do you have any initial thoughts about about that? Uh, yeah, so one of the things as you were sharing, I thought I really love the way that you talked about and described the nodes. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that is actually a lot more of an empowering way to approach your chart, right? Mm -hmm. Like, of course, I do think that there's one thing for us to have our conscious will, right? What you want, why you want it, how you go about getting it. That's the planets. But I see the nodes as speaking to what is it that the soul promised to do with this lifetime? So what is it that we promised ourselves that we would do? And then it is about the universe or the divine or love and wisdom, as I like to call it, constantly wanting to align you with that. And sometimes that works with what you want and why you want it, but sometimes it's something really, really different. 
And so the fact that, well, look, first of all, in 2020, the nodes are going to change signs. The North Node is going to go into Gemini. And I think that is going to be a very powerful, albeit it can be subtle, right? But it is going to be a very powerful first little glimpse, first little look. 2020 has lots of first glimpses, lots of first looks. We have got the North Node moving into the sign of Gemini in the spring. We are going to have Saturn uh, in the spring stepping into and then out of the sign of Aquarius. It is going to be the spring of 2020 to watch because this is where we're going to get our first and initial taste of an energy that we are going to fully immerse ourselves into once we move further into the decade. Yeah. So yeah, like with the transiting nodes, I see them as an expression of our collective will. Like what is it that on a collective soul level we're desiring to do, we're desiring to go um, as part of the wisdom. But then there's this whole range in which we're going to express that. And um, the North Node is where we're going, but you know, the pull of the South Node, I think that is what we've seen most in 2019 in particular, is what we've seen is that pull, the, the allure, how addictive it is to just go and dive into and dwell in South Node energy. Which so you pass the familiar yeah. kind of thing you're, if not moving away from that you've already, that you've already mastered, we've already mastered. So the South node that's transiting or traveling at the moment that we're moving through in our Zodiac journey at this moment. And as we enter 2020 until most of the first half is in Capricorn and we're moving toward cancer north node collectively. So, um, you know, that's uh, very earthy and, you know, it's, it's, it's with Saturn and Pluto and Jupiter now. So there's all this Capricorn pull to achieve, to establish, to own, to take authority, to- Yes, tradition. Yeah, yeah, it's a very traditional energy and, I'm thinking about the fact that, you know, astrologers like to say that, oh, the South Node is so bad and good things don't happen when your South Node is that. Look, here's the thing. Um, both uh, Trump and uh, Boris Johnson in the UK have been elected to office with powerful conjunctions taking place to their South Nodes. Yeah. And I think that speaks something to their what they're uh, presenting, what they're putting out there, because it is sort of on some level, a message that is more connected to the way things were and the lure of that. And mm -hmm. I think that collectively we have been feeling that as well. But then you look at what's coming up, not only in terms of the North Node in, in Gemini, because I see Gemini energy as very, very present. And it's also very much about ideas. It's a very spontaneous energy. But you think about Aquarius, I mean, that is a dramatic shift of energy that we have coming up for us very, very soon, yeah. uh, where we move out of the mundane, we start moving uh, away from these, you know, sort of south node allure pulls, and we start looking at the future, we start looking at the collective, but it's also, you know, the interesting thing about Aquarian energy and the age of Aquarius, right, which we sort of started supposedly yeah 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 i mean look they say that um a couple of things come to mind with the age of aquarius one is that uh, there are people who believe we have we started transitioning into the age of aquarius um with the discovery of uranus in the late 1700s and it is going to be as pluto steps into uh, the sign of aquarius that we will then fully be immersed it's like the age of Aquarius on steroids. And let's give some dates for people. I want to give okay. a little context. So in our, um, I have my bookmark here. Yay. In the wow. Astro Twins 2020 horoscope, which you're seeing probably backwards on my camera. No, no, I can um, see it great. It looks wonderful. <laughs> many people uh, are receiving as a gift with their starstruck ticket. Oh, wow. Um, we have a whole thing about 2020 to 2030 and the trends, forecasts for the new decade. So, um, you know, we have Pluto, the transformer in Capricorn until 2024, which is Earth, and then Uranus and Taurus, which is also Earth. Uranus, the planet of innovation, and Taurus, which is a sign of tradition and security. It's, it's in its fall there, its most uncomfortable position. But the first half of 
the the new decade is dominated by some earth sign energy we're calling it the extraterrestrial era i was i first called it the ter terrestrial area era but you know uranus i get it it's like extra, extra mundane yeah i love it i love it mm -hmm. So, you know, we're going to be looking at a lot of issues uh, around ownership and land and money and earthy, tangible things. Uh, and then we move into the age of air in the second half when Pluto uh, goes into Aquarius, which is air. So that's where we collectively transform. And then Uranus, our innovation station, will go into Gemini 2026 to 2033. Pluto's in Aquarius 2024 to 2044. So we got a long mm -hmm, run of 20 years. Yeah. All the yeah. AI and futuristic stuff, you know. And I think it's living. in 2026 that uh, Uranus will trine Pluto. Yes. We have and if I remember correctly, it's just the one trine that they get yeah. before November, they separate. December 2026. And yeah. a trine, which is what we're experiencing between Jupiter and Uranus today, a trine creates ease and flow. So when two planets trine, they're going to combine their superpowers at warp speed. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. We don't right. know. So we'll we'll touch on that. Um, well, it's embraced, right? When it's a trine, it's it's easier than if it's a square. When it's a square, there's resistance and you know that sense of unrest that honestly we may see in 2021 because yeah. we do have all these squares happening with Saturn and Aquarius squaring Uranus. Uh, we've got yep. Jupiter and Aquarius squaring Uranus, and and Uranus actually with Ceres as well, which is interesting in and of itself. Ceres is about Ceres. Well, how so, do you see Ceres? Well, Ceres is an asteroid, and I always look at personally. I think that um, that the planets are always primary, right? I remember uh, years ago, I I heard a speaker say, and this was I think it was Bernard Eccles who said this uh, in um, in a seminar that I took once in England, and he said something to the effect that. If something is happening in a person's life, you should be able to see it in the chart using the planets and the traditional planets using Ptolemaic aspects. And so Ptolemaic aspects are essentially aspects within three degree orb, basically. And um, we're looking at uh, the classical uh, nature of aspects as well, which is the trine, the square, the sextile, the opposition, and the conjunction. And so this was an assertion that he made, and I've found it to be the case very often, is that you, you can see it in that, but it's really nice to look at the asteroids for like another layer and another understanding, a nuance, if you will, um, that has a more- system software upgrade. Right, right. Now, like, it's not an entire new operating yeah. system, but it's a little point one to the OS, right? Well, I think that it's, um, us recognizing that we have nuance and we have subtlety. So whatever is within us is what we perceive outside of us. And so we are perceiving more of the universe than ever before because we are understanding what it means to be human more expansively than ever before. Yeah. So, so Ceres is the goddess of grain um, and uh, in a sense, the seasons as well. Ceres is the Roman equivalent of Demetra which was the mother of Persephone. And um, Persephone, of course, uh, she was slash captured, slash kidnapped, slash uh, willing, willingly. Uh, <laughs> Jury's still out on that myth. Right, exactly, but she got right? down there somewhere to the underworld. Right, right. somehow, know. some way. And her mom really mourned and mourned and then came fall and then came winter because she was, her mom, Ceres slash Demetra, was responsible for the seasons. Um, and responsible for life, really, for, for fertility of the earth. And so then the gods sort of struck a bargain with, uh, with Hades and said, hey, let's share Persephone so that we can at least have some grains for the people. So, so there's something to worship us, basically. That's the synopsis of it. And so what I found with Ceres is that it speaks very powerfully to our relationship to the earth and to land. It speaks, of course, to seasons, right, mythologically. Um, and it also speaks to grains and agriculture and how it is we understand our relationship to where our food comes from and how we harvest that food in particular. And so 
big changes, big innovations coming in that regard. And there, you know, maybe some mixed feelings on that. Um, and I think a part of also because series has to do with the seasons, I'm so sorry to say, I hate, you know, saying things that are not necessarily positive, but you know, it's a part of life. It's a part of the world that we've created. And as something that I've actually been meditating on under this, you know, Saturn Pluto conjunction, um, that, you know, things aren't always ideal, but it is what we do with it that ultimately can move us forward, as I like to call towards greater love and greater wisdom towards embodying the best that we can be. And, um, and so, yeah, extreme weather, right? It's kind yeah. of like one plus one equals two. Um, and we've already started to see this extreme weather at the uh, eclipse that is coming up uh, in January. Cancer. It isn't cancer eclipse. Like it's not just about the conjunction of Pluto and, um, and Saturn, but Mercury, the sun, Ceres, all of these planets are together very tightly. Mm -hmm. So I do think that it is going to be the sense of what is happening with the earth, what is happening with the climate, what is happening with our food that is going to be part of what ultimately really awakens the Aquarian energy mm -hmm. early in the decade. And the Aquarian energy is that of the people. Yeah. And I, um, my understanding- And robots. Yeah, <laughs> yes, right? No, Aquarius is such an interesting planet because yeah. it rules technology and AI and bots, but also communal uh, you know, efforts by the people. So it's almost contradictory in some ways. And it's also, like, yeah. yeah, it's also hyper individuality, right? Yeah. It's hyper individual. It is uh, one that is very much about, you know, as they say to use the cliche, goes by the beat of your own drum, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we've got all these people kind of going by the beat of their own drum, then how is it that we connect as a collective? And I think that is a very interesting contrast. And it was actually Carl Jung who explored this in an essay he wrote called Eon. And in this essay, he talks about how people are talking about the age of Aquarius, like it's going to be some sort of a utopia of unity. But if you look at the yeah, glyph of Aquarius, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. Well, with the glyph of Aquarius, much like the glyph of Pisces, you see a very strong two different streams going, yes. right? Yes. The glyph of Pisces, it's like reflecting each other, but it's connected. It is the glyph of Aquarius that's two waves and they're not even connecting, they're mirroring each other, yeah. but they're not connecting. And so I think this is also why, you know, the United States has an Aquarius moon. And so you see like these very two- divided and individualistic. Yeah, like you see these two very distinct uh, cultures and mm -hmm. philosophies. And, you know, they sort of go back and forth between, you know, who's gonna have power at what given time, um, but, highly valuing freedom, right? That is one of the highest values. And I think one of the highest gifts that uh, the American philosophy has given to the world, it has to do with this idea of how freedom is so essential to what it means to be human. It's an, and uh, you read the constitution and I just read it not too long ago. I think I was in university. So it was a little bit of a while ago um, that I read it. I mean, I am Canadian, so I wouldn't uh, come across <laughs> this, right? Curiosity from over the border. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, and it was just incredible. It was incredible to think about uh, the, the assertion of the human spirit that underlies this document. It's so Aquarius moon, this, the, the oh, Constitution wow. of the oh, United really States. Yeah. See, these are the kind of fascinating things when you dig into history and, and charts and correlate it with astrology. It's like, wow. And then you start to go like, you can't make this stuff up, can you? It's too uncanny. Well, you know, we did some future casting in the book about what Pluto and Aquarius could be, you know, and some of the things we came up with were, you know, air quality and airspace rights becoming the new real estate. Mm. We're, you know, Pluto and Capricorn, which is 2008 to 2024, is, is real estate on land. And I mean, 
and we've had Neptune and Pisces the whole time, which is bringing the seas rising. And I mean, how much property has been affected? Talk about extreme weather by hurricanes and tsunamis and what have you. So we've had, you know, to go up a lot, <laughs> you know, and I think we're going to more. I mean, obviously space travel, wind power, maybe communal living, virtual schools and universities, reforming the voting uh, system possibly more political uprisings or protests against oppressive social policies. That's one of those waves in government. So, you know, and when Saturn's there too, like in the first couple of years of the decade, you know, we're going to have uh, till 2023, really tension between big government and the sort of power to the people. Those two Aquarian waves will probably, there'll be some people, some countries or systems that want to centralize governments more and others that want to decentralize and it's going to be with Pluto being the powerhouse and Saturn being about our laws and structures and everything and Jupiter also being sort of the spirit of the law. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see uh, all over the planet how different countries deal with the freedom that you're talking about. How much will they give to people or take from people um, how much will people fight for it? So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but that's kind of how I'm reading it. So. Right, because it is the contrast, right? It is that sense of freedom, but it's also the surveillance state and AI and technology and things like that. So how do we find ourselves in the middle of that? Because the thing is, when you think about um, Aquarian energy, it's not a very embodied energy, right? But we are in bodies. That's the yeah. thing. And 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 Who better than an Aquarius to write about that in her new book? I know, right? <laughs> but it's so interesting because we are, on the one hand, we are pure consciousness, right? That's the Aquarian vibe that speaks to that. We're pure consciousness, we're pure thought, but we're incarnated for a reason. Like we are physical beings and it isn't just that we have like physical needs, but, uh, and we do, right? Like to eat and to sleep and all of that. But it's also that there is, there's something about being way too cerebral that has its pluses and minuses. So the plus is, if you are a society or a time period that's all about ideas, there's something very equalizing about that, right? There's something very, uh, a sense that it's not about, you know, where you come from or what you look like or your background mm -hmm. or, you know, your ethnicity or your gender or any of that. What ideas do you bring to the table, right? How are you expressing those ideas? That becomes the great equalizer. And of course, that can be a great blessing. That's, you know, the whole equality movement. It's at the foundation to mm -hmm. it. But at the same time, it can be very isolating. Yeah. And the energy of Aquarius, it is at once about community, but it's also about alienation from the community. It is at once about communal living, but it's also... Uh, you know, I forget the word for it, but this uh, Michelle Foucault talked about this idea of how cultures and societies were moving in a direction where there is this uh, I that is watching everybody all the time, but everybody mm -hmm. is kind of living in these little boxes, right? I think They're it's called Amazon.com. <laughs> right, maybe. <laughs> that is the manifestation of it, right? Jeff Bezos is a Capricorn, and we've been in Capricorn land, so hey, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, and look, Capricorn land uh, is one that is very embodied, but maybe too much, right? Especially yeah. right now with Saturn and Pluto. But I actually think that, you know, it's a, it's a tough one. I will share a little it bit. Is. Of, yeah, it's tough. I... We'll share a little bit of a personal uh, appreciation that I, I had last night and I've been having this morning. Yes. And, um, you know, a, a while back, maybe a year ago, I saw a movie on Netflix, a documentary called Champions. And this documentary literally changed my life. Mm -hmm. And it was basically about what happens to animals after they experience severe trauma and abuse. Oh. And it's about... Uh, the work that some people do to rehome and rehouse these animals. I don't want to get emotional here. <laughs> it's an Aquarius. It, yeah, right. I know. And it, it was specifically about, you know, there was a very public figure who, um, who went to jail, a multimillionaire, but ended up going to jail for animal abuse. And it was about, you know, what happened to his dogs 
like what happened after that? Because everybody was focusing on, okay, well, he's gone to jail and he's getting rehabilitation and that's great. But what about, you know, these dogs and the trauma that they are left with and what happened to them? And it was just a deeply moving thing. And it really felt changed because it helped me to see trauma differently. It helped me to see my role as an astrologer differently as well, because we are, look, until very recently in human history, the astrologers were the intermediaries to the gods. And I think that it is still as part of our collective unconscious, there is that projection that ends up going on to us. And so that comes with a certain responsibility. I feel uncomfortable with that at times, to be very honest with you, because I feel, yeah, like this is making astrologers into like exalted figures, but we're not, we're just like anybody else. We are human. And uh, for me, because I care so much about equality, right? Aquarian flag waving that I am. Yeah. (laughs) And so it, it, that sense of, you know, being up here, whatever, it makes me uncomfortable. But anyway, so very, just yesterday, I saw something, I was on Instagram of all places, and I saw something about how this person is getting some sort of a recognition. And even though all of these people were like, no, 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 they are going ahead and doing this. And I cried, like I just cried and cried and cried. And it was very hard for me to to understand or to appreciate. And then I realized, like when I got up this morning, I realized that it is as a result of seeing these examples, right, of hyper uh, separation, but not separation on a level of mind, this idea of hyper physicality. Because physically, we are considered to be more powerful, more cunning or whatever than animals. So we have that sort of exalted status and how we use it, we can use it in ways that uh, do perpetuate the trauma that we've experienced, right? Mm -hmm. But you think about how the people who've seen that, like myself, have been changed, have moved ourselves towards a greater understanding of healing and love and wisdom and what kind of force we want to be in the world. And I think that's part of what we're seeing right now with this conjunction is we're getting this clear distinction. Whom is it that I'm going to be? Am I going to continue unconsciously the traumas of the body that have occurred in my life and in my past and in my childhood, or am I going to exalt the energy? And so with this move of moving towards air, it becomes about exalting the energy, right? It becomes about raising the energy. If you think about air, air is mind. Yeah. The earth is like important. We need it as our foundation and our base, but we're not meant to get stuck there. It's like, we have the solid ground. We've been looking at our values, what we believe and don't believe, how we treat other members of the earth, whether animals or people. Now, I love what you're saying, exalt it and raise it up. I think astrologers, just to the point of what you said about being uncomfortable, we're kind of like the, the, uh, what do you call it? Those like couplers that you put like, uh, to connect two things like a little, like we're the we're the radio towers bringing down the signals from the sky from the air to the earth to the people on the planet so we know we usually go the other way bring it from the air and bring it down to the earth so now we're being asked to go back up there so mm-hmm. please go on with what you were going to say about yeah so it is um air energy that is not only the great equalizer but if you think about like the chakras for those people who are familiar with the energy centers of the body it is the lower chakras that connect us to the earth right they connect us to our physicalness but the energy what's called kundalini energy it has to rise through our heart right the center of love in our body in order to come to the higher chakras which are chakras of communication that's air right chakras of thought that's air. And so it is the, the pain and the traumas we've had, the past and our link to the past that is held in the lower chakras, that is held in the physical self. But it is that air energy that raises the kundalini and it's our intention that allows it to raise. And you know, what's interesting is this is how therapy works. This is why therapy is a hugely transformative thing in the lives of millions of people. Because what you do is you take what you have felt and what you have experienced, the lower chakras, you raise it to the intellect, you give it voice, and then it comes back around because it's a cycle, but it's different when it comes back around. 
you yeah. understand it differently and it it changes the way that you feel the way that you move through the earth the way that you are in your own body it changes you think you of something psychological work here you're making me think of something interesting in relation yeah. to the order of the zodiac signs with this because i love what you're saying that yeah from the lower chakras of earth to the high chakras but then we have all this in between mm -hmm. Which I think, you know, with, if the lower chakras earth, the higher is air. Like, where's the fire and the water really in the it's heart? It's on the way. Sacral. It's yeah. It's in yeah, the, yeah. But the order of the zodiac signs goes fire to earth to air to water. So earth goes straight to air and skips the fire and the water. And Isn't that interesting? So the fire is the spark, right? The fire yeah. starts it, and it, fire is like really the breath of life. Well, look, fire is the will the will to live, right? And so, and there is a certain physicality to it in and of itself because fire, you know, you think about um, the gift of fire that we have as human beings and how uh, there are anthropologists who sort of theorize that it was the introduction of fire that allowed, I think that we had these ancient ancestors, pre-homo sapien, who were, I think they were Neanderthal, and one, the homo sapiens developed fire and that's why they ended up surviving and we are the descendants of those early humans. But the ones who didn't develop fire, that stream of creation, it ended up dying out. And so there is that connection to survival, right? The, the will of life that happens with fire, but then very quickly we become embodied. If we look at it from yeah. the perspective of the signs, yeah. And then very quickly yeah. we start thinking about it. <laughs> Yeah, we start to get into our heads. Yeah. I was thinking in, in the 2020s, we do have some water and fire that we should also look at, you know, because we're mm -hmm. going to have Pluto and Saturn and Uranus and Gemini soon. I mean, and Aquarius and Gemini. So we're going to be very airy, very space travel-y, very UFO, extraterrestrial even, or bots or algorithms. It's going to be a lot of that kind of data uh, machine learning, God knows. I mean, I, I, I've shared in a couple other starstruck videos that I live with four 3D printers. My Taurus husband is a, is a product developer and has four, four and counting 3D printers. Some are taller than I am in our garage, uh, making stuff all day. So, Oh, how lucky are you? <laughs> it's yeah. Really yeah, you're going to be able to, I mean, they're already printing yeah. food and everything. So the technology is going to, of air is going to re, uh, merge with the earth and the body's needs as well. But let's look at Neptune because Neptune is kind of, as always, and then later Saturn, but Neptune is our wild card. It's in Pisces, it's home sign until 2025 uh 24 25 back and forth um but uh you know that's all water neptune is the water the god of the sea the compassion the flow uh where we remember our hearts and our souls and uh 2025 to 39 neptune water god is going to go into aries the sign of fire so we're going to have that countering maybe are set against the same backdrop, sharing the sky with Uranus and Pluto and heady air signs. And then we'll have Saturn, 2025 and 2026, we're gonna have conjunctions or meetups of Saturn, which makes things tangible, and Neptune, which dissolves those boundaries that Saturn tries to put up in um, conjuncting in uh, uh, Aries. So. Aries and Pisces, I think. I have to double check on that, but um, they are. Aries. I think it's I think all it's Aries. Aries. Yeah, yes, if I remember I correctly, it, yep. it is. Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember checking on that uh, while while researching this. So, it's going to be. Um, you know, the last time it was there was 1861 to 75. Neptune was in Aries. So, wow. Yeah, only every hundred sixty-five years or so that it comes to a sign, yeah. and we had. You know, I think we had the Civil War during that time, and uh, a lot. You know, not that we want to predict civil no, no, wars, no, no, no. but yeah, there are, there it, are always civil wars happening. Right, but it's good to remember that more people now live in peace and prosperity and equality than ever before in human history. A yeah. higher percentage of people 
by far than ever before in human history. So it's good to remember we're going in the right direction, you know, and this is part of it. You know, like I said, it was, uh, it's hard in a sense to look at what it is that feels painful, but it can form the foundation to truly remarkable and wonderful change in self-discovery and and being a real force in the world for good. So yeah. yeah, we live in a world of contrast. And I think that a lot of the astrology of 2020, it is going to be about contrasting the 2010s and the 2020s to, you know, actually see how different things can be. How Which much the 2010s, yeah, the 2010s yeah. were really watery and fiery. So they were about like getting in touch with spirituality, Neptune and Pisces and and Uranus, Uranus and Aries. And Aries. Oh, so fiery, yeah. It's all about the selfies and <laughs> the yoga yeah. mat and the, I mean, this entire sort of spiritual wellness culture was born out of the combination, I believe, of Neptune and Pisces awakening our spirituality the first time since mid-1800s when the spiritual church revived, astrology made a comeback for people, um, and and then, you know, Uranus and Aries, a sign of the self, giving us a technology to share our ideas, even take a selfie of the green juice and the yoga class and the, you know, it's like literally the documentation of that spiritual awakening through technology, Uranus. That is a great way to put it. Wow, I love that. Yeah. It's just fun to connect the dots. Isn't so, it? Yeah. But we've had a decade of that. Yeah, right. And it's so great that we all do it in our own unique ways. You know, yeah. I absolutely love that. Yeah. But I love that you mentioned um, how Neptune is still going to be in Pisces at the, you know, the early stages. And I'm thinking about how the last time Neptune was in Pisces, we had the whole theosophy movement, right? Yes. That was in the suffragette movement and all of that. But then ultimately all of that gave way to really big changes mm-hmm. on a lot of fronts. And and a more, you know, to go back to the word embodied, a much more embodied experience at the same time. Yeah. And, um, and also an experience where more and more people wanted self-determination, right? They wanted that ability to be able to self-determine. And I was thinking about how it was with, um, with Neptune and Pisces, that slavery in the United States came to an end. That's yeah. that slavery based on race throughout most of the world came to an end at that time. Yeah. And it was with, uh, with Neptune and Aries that it was like, you know, no, I'm going to, to, to embody this, right? It's not enough. Right. It's not enough for it just to be a a document. You know, I think about how there's this phrase that Marianne Williamson uses, which is, you know, love is fierce, right? Love doesn't just, you know, sit down and say, oh yeah, that's okay. Whatever's happening is happening. No, love says, hey, this is, this is right. This is not right. This is, you know, where I have power. This is how I'm going to own my power, how I'm going to take action. And action is an active principle. It is one that is very much hand in hand with spirituality, ultimately. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. So, you know, we started the 2010s with this watery and fiery, very much the middle chakras, very about our immediate experience and passion and beliefs and not that much head, but also maybe a bit ungrounded, like too much groundedness to mm-hmm. be out of just being embodied material beyond the material into like what matters, the spiritual karma, everything. And then we're ending the 2010s back in this earth mode, heavy earth mode, where it's like, okay, lovely, namaste, namaste, your, you know, Instagram feed up, but what are you going to build for the rest of the world? What are you going to do? What are you going to, you know, make out of this? Our policies, legislation, like great that you have a meme about social justice, but like, what are you actually doing? Right. And that's been part of the conversation. Now, as part of the wisdom of being embodied and animals reminding us to be embodied, mm-hmm. my dog is really, really asking, come here, baby. Oh, come I'm here, baby. And I was just, come here, baby. I have this yeah. picture of two dogs behind us. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love it. I love I have, it. I had my camera he's, tilted he's down. I want to go out, but I don't want to be, you know, getting no, up no, no, and again. No. I'll, I'll chat with people. I, I'm wearing my pajamas. What? Come here, baby. Come here. 
Well, listen, you know, you wait, okay, Biggie, you can wait. Well, okay. if you can't, then you can lovely. turn off your camera and I'll, I'll chat him up while you open the door because, you know, yeah, it's so our sad. animals, speaking of being embodied, right? They don't wait. Okay. When Just give me one. Let me go let him out. But then you that let him out. I'm going to have to get up again to let him in. So just That's audience, fine. keep that in mind. I'll be right. Keep I'm here. Mind. Yes, please do chat. Say something brilliant because you are so brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to chat. I'm going to go back to Uranus and Gemini, even though we'd love to see your pajamas. <laughs> That's the secret astrologers, uh, you know, who go and YouTube astrologers keep from you. We're only dressed from the waist up. The rest is pajamas and elastic waistbands. So, so let's, uh, <laughs> oh, that was so fast. It's oh. right there, right? The door to the balcony. Oh, perfect. Biggie. I appreciate you so much. Yeah, he'll bark when he's ready to come back in. We but uh, I, incorporate pets into our lives. I know, we right? We are all about the animals. I didn't even have to say anything except for talk about the fashion statements from the waist down of astrologers. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's so true. You know, like everything just out of camera is pajamas always right. like I, elastic yeah. microfiber check yes. yes right exactly yeah and especially in cancun it's all about the shorts right oh yeah of course pajama shorts yeah i love it why get out of those uh, <laughs> well so you know back to what we were saying until mm. biggie needs to come back into mama i appreciate again. you thank you for being flexible <laughs> with that and being cool with that i know I think that your Sag energy can like kind of flow with it and be cool with it. So of thank course. you. Come on. Everybody who's watching this is probably like pouring themselves something now or, you know, cleaning. We're all multitasking in this world of, of moving into earth. So, um, so yeah. So now, you know, I think in these cycles, it's like, you know, accountability is the big earth uh, thing as we start the new decade check check if you're walking your talk you know before you get up on the Aquarian air sign pulpit and start preaching the big lofty ideas or the Gemini one to anyone um, start looking at well where do I where do I need to kind of make sure I'm you know and, and are my principles that I'm preaching realistic within reach of people because mm. it's 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 very easy to tell people not to drink out of a plastic water bottle but you know do you not i don't know you know so like we can't all be greta thunberg and taking boats across the atlantic although it's amazing that she as a capricorn is demonstrating that but like that's a great high lofty ideal for some but what's within our reach? What can we do today? So that's what I'm looking at for the earth portion of the decade, which is really the first half of the decade is kind of earthy. And then we move more air. And then increasingly, air. yeah, it, it's a movement, yeah. right? It's not like you turn on a switch and all just like moving into the age of Aquarius. It's not like yeah. one day you're in the age of Pisces and then boom, you're in the age of Aquarius. There's a transition period and we are in like sort of towards the end of the transition period now. Mm -hmm. The discovery of Uranus brought the, the, the announcement, the heralding of the age of Aquarius. But yeah. it is going to be with, you know, by the time we get towards the end of the decade, when all the energy becomes fire and air and mind and passion and self and, uh, you know, freedom, when all of that comes together, that is really when I think... Um, the world will look very different. You know, I yeah, think that, yeah. yeah, like we have really no idea what it means to be in the information age. It's no. kind of like we are at the very infancy of the uh, information age. Absolutely. And of course, we don't want to approach the future with fear. That's not good. It's not good to have fear um, and to be open and to know that wherever we are, there'll still be, you know, great happiness and fulfillment and, and all of that. One great thing about Aquarian energy is it does honor the self, right? It, like I said, personal freedom means you get to be yourself, like unapologetically you. And that is really one of the great privileges when you look at some other places in the world. That is such a great privilege that I think we take for granted sometimes, but it's also a right. You know, we understand it as what it means to be fundamentally human is to fundamentally be yourself your most authentic self in the world. And to be able to do that is just so wonderful. And hopefully more and more people will be able to do that. 
well, as technology uh, is adopted all over the world, it's going to be irrepressible irrepressible we've been calling it the decade of disruption because mm, wow that's a great way to put it yeah. <laughs> yeah because life as we know it is definitely going to be changed by all this air energy and you know i don't i do expect there will be more uh sort of as we're already seeing a trend toward nationalism in some places and more attempts to suppress and systematize and organize people Te uh, against the tension of people wanting individual rights and freedom. I think really that's going to be worked out through uh, not necessarily the most um, easy and smooth means until we really get it right. We're going to be trying to get that one right, especially with are there enough resources for people on this planet? What's happening with the weather patterns like you said the extreme weather people needing to migrate move to different areas some areas may become uninhabitable uninhabitable you know having issues with multi-syllabic words today um especially when neptune goes into aries we may see more fires or heat extreme heat potentially near the equator I don't know. I see Uranus and Taurus maybe having more earthquakes and that kind of thing. Not to scare anyone. It's just a reality of the decade of disruption that will become something that we have to plan around, um, I believe. So <laughs> I don't know what you think, Nadia, but or, or maybe you want to, what do you think like on a personal level uh, people should prepare for? Well, I think on a personal level, it's great that we are going to have, like I said, more rights to be ourselves and to have that personal freedom, but that doesn't mean we get to have it anonymously, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to, uh, as part of that, be willing to be seen. And uh, there's one way of being seen as who you are. There's another way of being seen as surveillance, right? And I, I think that we are already seeing it. It's already a part of it. I mean, I know like a while back there was this, you know, what will I look like when I'm old kind of contrast oh, app, yeah. right? And all these people, yeah, and all these people started posting like, oh, this is, you know, to no, get your, you know, data and all of that. And I was thinking, my data is already out there. Like, me too. I'm like, what do you need to know about me? You know, like not on the internet, not everybody would agree with that, but public. Right. Of course. Yeah. But it's kind of like, I mean, really, we, we turn over so much of ourselves and there's advantages to that. That's why we do it. We gain advantage. We gain connection with other people. We get access to these, you know, services that don't on the surface cost us anything. Um, but for some people, the cost is too high by sharing their data. You know, it's such a personal thing, how comfortable you are with it. And I do think that we're going to see people who go off the grid, you know, yeah. so to say. Oh, totally. Yeah, we'll totally, we'll see a lot more of those people, actually. The survivalists, but, yeah. Yeah, right? Because it's that hyper-individuality of the Aquarian energy that speaks mm. to that. But at the same time, uh, we will see that sense of, you know, if you want to be a part of society, it means being willing to be observed. And, uh, you know- Interesting, I like this theory. Okay, yeah, I think yeah. you're, that's good advice. Yeah, but wow. you know, it's do the right thing, right? You try your best to do the right thing. I'm very aware of the fact <laughs> as well, like I'm hoping with the age of Aquarius, it does mean, you know, greater, protections for astrologers because we have historically been persecuted. Um, hmm. I'm thinking about not that long ago, and I'm thinking about Alan Leo, uh, uh, who is the, you know, sort of godfather of esoteric astrology, and we were speaking about the theosophy movement, right? And he arose out of that. Galileo, which a renounced being an astrologer uh, too, right? Or yeah. He'd be killed, I believe. So. Yeah. And hmm. so he was, you know, so many times he had to go to court again and again because fortune telling was illegal. Right, right. Right. And he was really the one who, who helped to frame astrology as tendencies, who helped mm -hmm. being the beginning of putting astrology into a language of likelihood. Um, and this is actually a great service to us. Like we actually benefit from this as astrologers in modern times because it is an honoring and acknowledgement of free will and of the relationship we have to the sky. And so you hope that we as astrologers will continue to have our safe spaces and our places to be able to continue to do what it is that we do. 
But I think it's also good to remember, you know, the moment we get judgmental or too judgmental, as we do with uh, Pluto conjunct Saturn in Capricorn, that can happen. Um, rem a reminder of us as astrologers. I mean, I think it returns us to a certain humility, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that can give us more, more perspective, more compassion. Well, there may be some, you know, I think of Saturn regulating things. Like there are a lot of astrologers out there now giving advice and it's an unregulated industry, even though a lot of people who are doing chart readings are giving psychological uh, advice in real life. I mean, look, I don't know how you would regulate it. And I really hope people don't try, don't do but it, no. I have heard there was this one scientist uh, who had a, a YouTube channel. Oh, there, there's Biggie. There's Biggie. I'll do the rant while you look. Thank Biggie. you. Thank and, you. Uh, she was a, she was a Taurus for whatever that's worth, an Earth sign. But she was making a point that, you know, astrology advice uh, should be monitored in some way. Look, I don't think you can do that. It's seen as an entertainment, but what you're saying is making me think like maybe there's internal responsibilities beyond just understanding how to read a chart. Now that people are coming to astrologers for uh, deeply personal issues and societal issues, you know, like have an, have an understanding of the world that people are living in and the, and the forces of racism or sexism or, any ism that someone may encounter and the psychological load that um, they may bear. I had a, a great conversation with another of the starstruck astrologers, Alice, about that. So we we talked about why that matters in reading. So I don't, I, I'm not sure what this will look like, but um, maybe well, I hope that it isn't regulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't think so. No, no, no. Because I think that the very nature of what we do, you know, divination plays a role into it. it part mm -hmm. of what we do is intuitive and divinatory. And if astrology is Aquarian, which I think it is, and why, you know, astrology has just, with the internet, has just really become that much more a dominant force, yeah. um, I think that it becomes that much more important to maintain that sense of freedom to practice, freedom to yeah. explore, freedom to express. And I think that a lot of the onus then becomes on the individual, right? Whoever it is you are, that is the type of astrologer you're going to be drawn to. Mm -hmm. So I am a person, you know, as I said, the universe is wise and loving. I really emphasize that. And I am a person who really believes that we are here to um, further embody what I call love and wisdom. And some people call it the divine and some people call it, you know, God, because to me, astrology is an expression of spirit and spirituality. That's me. That's what I bring to it. Yeah. I love so, it. Yeah. So you can't have astrology without the astrologer and the astrologer sees themselves in their practice and the people who are drawn to what it is that a particular astrologer is sharing ultimately that astrologer is just a mirror to that person. So yeah. if you are a person who's very fatalistic, who really, you know, feels like there are forces beyond your control and life can be really cruel, that's what you're going to see when you look at the sky, right? That's the kind of astrologer you're going to want. Someone who is so dire. But so if maybe not the one you need. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, look, we, we get in life, well, not we get in life who we are, but very often, what it is that we experience is ultimately a reflection of where we are on a lot of different levels and how much we love ourselves and what we believe about ourselves. What we believe about the world tends to be affirmed in how we see the world. And that becomes hyper true when we see the sky. That becomes hyper true when we see people who observe and interpret the symbols in the sky. So... Yeah, like they say, wherever you go, there you are. Whoever you are, there's your astrologer. There's your astrology. Yeah. That's an interesting way of looking at it, yeah. I think also with Saturn being, you know, the sign of expertise and experience and wisdom going into Aquarius, the sign of astrology, and Pluto being such a sort of a psychic sponge in a lot of ways, or like the things that get into your subconscious and your unconscious, what you take in very much saying like, yes, what you're emanating is what you'll attract probably, but it's a time to be more discerning about where you get your advice. You know, um, there is going to be 
there's going to be even more, I think, you know, of it on the internet for sure. And I think I would urge people as we move into the earth air decade to really like research the people you go to for advice if you don't already and just do, you know, not just go to somebody who's going to sort of validate your disempowering narratives and stories, but to someone who's going to help you unlock your potential, which is something you said earlier. And just, what do I need versus what do I want? Do I just want instant comfort? Well, if I do, great, give me that. But, you know, use astrologers and astrology to be better as a tool to really, you know, contribute to the collective. The Aquarius energy uh, and the air energy is about the collective and community. That's come up as a theme a lot. So, you know, what is your role in community? What are you contributing to society? How can you use astrology to get out of your own way? I, I used to say, if you're embarrassed about getting an astrology reading, have one, learn it, then just burn the evidence and go be a better person. <laughs> Nobody needs to know, but use the tools that are here from above to be better below, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, this has been so fascinating. Is there anything, uh, anything else you want to say to people about the, the decade ahead or anything else you want to well, share uh, about what you're doing? I, Lots to say, but yeah. Yes, exactly. We could, you know, keep talking for the rest of the afternoon and into the night because it's oh, yeah. so fascinating. Yeah. I love it. I love it. But you know, what I would say is there is the promise of freedom and the promise of being authentically and unapologetically you for more people in more places in the world than ever before. And, you know, I am really of the belief that whatever it is that feels challenging, and sometimes in life there are things that happen, like with Saturn conjunct Pluto, that feel painful and that feel even cruel and unfair. And it's not fun to say that, but it is part of the world that we've created. And as part of the world that we've created, for whatever reason, it is humanity that continually uses those to redefine themselves based on whom it is that they are not. And so I do feel like right now at this point in history, we are at this place with all this South Node energy of seeing where we've been in a very hyper way. We're seeing something about you know the past and what it is ultimately that on a very deep level, on a soul level, on a collective consciousness level, we are actually wanting to move away from. And so yeah. all of that is coming so strongly and it's easy to get lost in it. It's easy to get caught up in it. But the truth is that the energy is being elevated and that as part of greater love and greater wisdom, as part of a divine plan, it is this moment that is a part of that. It is this acknowledgement of the trauma and the pain of the past, the acknowledgement of the things that are not fair, that is ultimately going to provide the springboard towards a world that becomes remarkably more fair, uh, more equal, more thoughtful, really, thought, mind, ideas, right? More thoughtful than a world than we ever knew before. And that is a world that I'm really excited to be a part of creating and co-creating with everybody. Oh, I love that. Well, I, I love your optimistic Aquarius sun, Sag moon view. And I, that is, we should listen to the Aquarians because they're among the leaders of the decade. They're the sign of the future. So, you know, I certainly, if nothing else, that's a beautiful ideal for us all to try to live up to and that hope. Like, I love what you said. Yes, it may seem heavy and hopeless at times this year, but don't get caught up in the illusion, I hear you saying, but look ahead, think big picture, think we're going through this now to clear the space for that vision that you laid out. And, you know, that's your Aquarian gift, Nadia, to just really be able to remind people, hey, we can, we can have this utopian ideal possibly at least we can shoot for that so um you know my capricorn rising is uh, always a little bit more uh, less idealistic and and so i need to hear from astrologers like you oh yeah well why not believe that you know the nelson mandela quote it's only impossible until it's done so let's do our part 
to go for that, you know? Thank you so, so much. That means so much to me with your Capricorn rising and all the amazing <laughs> things that you have achieved uh, in astrology, all the amazing contributions that you continue to do. The baby astrologer inside of me is dancing right about now, I tell you. To hear you say that to me is, uh, you know, another one of those amazing high points in my, in my career as an astrologer. So thank you. Well, thank you. We're all baby astrologers. And any we, astrologer yeah. should adopt that attitude of yes. mind because you know what? The minute you think you know everything, you're going to find out you know nothing at all. So one lifetime oh, I like to live. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. One lifetime isn't enough to know all there is to know about astrology. Absolutely. But that's part of the fun, isn't it? It is. You've got Sag in your chart. I've got Sag in my chart. Sag. We're having fun here. Yeah. There's all the, the excitement of getting up in the morning. There's always something new to learn. There's always yeah. something new to discover. Like, An keep experience. that fine. Yeah. Especially with the air planets. Keep that curiosity. So, and of course, check out Nadia's Body in the Cosmos book. Get that. And if you're if you're watching this the as free talk series, you're gonna get this yay funny horoscope guide when you sign up for the full starstruck. Uh, so it's roadmap to the whole decade and bonuses from you. Yes, I so can't wait. To... May I share my yes, bonus? Is for those people who haven't have had a chance to uh, explore and to learn about uh, the membership on my site called Superstar. Uh, for those people who haven't known the Superstar experience before, uh, you will get a free month of Superstar uh, by going online. So I hope that you enjoy that. Those are all kinds of exclusive horoscopes and, and hangouts and meditations that we do together and all kinds of fun oh, stuff. And that's nice. You get to hang out with her. There you so, go. For a, yeah. Okay. We get to well, meditate together. Yeah. Once a month. Awesome. And so since uh, most people will either be watching this on our Starstruck platform or your free talk, they know where to find you, NadiaShaw.com and on YouTube. And uh, we'll have that all below the video. But thank you so much for thank you you know, so much. diving into the new decade with us. And, thank uh, you. I had so much fun. It's so much fun being an astrologer, isn't it? Yeah, and we're going to have to do a lot more of these in the new decade. So oh, yes, we do. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Big hugs, big love to everybody out there. Thank you. Thank you for sharing me with your audience and the fabulous Astro Twins audience. Thank you. The Starstruck audience. I know yeah. they're going to love it. So, okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.